Podcast audience, how are you? I'm excited. It's the Banded Hour right here at the Foul Life Podcast Series. The Banded Hour, Banded Brands. It's so awesome to have these guys back. My co-host, Eric Larsgaard and Christian Curtis. We get down in the weeds about the industry, the climate of the industry, the retail part of it going into this season for 2022 and 2023. Get into some specifics on some banded products such as the waiters the new sweet blind and this series is going to take you it's we're going to talk about the culture of banded how it started stories overseas manufacturing retail buyer groups ambassadors influencers social media marketing sales and how this brand has innovated since 2011 until now with a ton of i i guess prowess just the product line they have now is unbelievable avery outdoors avery sporting dog greenhead gear decoys all of the waiters, all of the apparel, men's, women's, youth. Oh man, it's just, it's amazing to be a part of it since the beginning and to hear Christian and Eric so passionately talk about it. It just brought me back in time. I'm excited to bring you the banded hour. You can expect to see a lot of it all throughout duck and goose season, but we're going to bring it to you all year because we're into the turkey game now, soon to be the deer area, the lifestyle and casual area. Check out bandedbrands.com, banded.com. We're fired up. For the Foul Life Podcast brand new series, The Banded Hour, with myself, Chad Belding, and my co-host, Christian Curtis and Eric Larsgaard. I hope you all enjoy episode number one. We'll be back at you with episode number two soon after. Enjoy it. This episode is brought to you, obviously, by the brands I've already mentioned, Banded, Avery Outdoors, Avery Sporting Dog, Greenhead Gear, and it's also brought to you by the one and only Sig Sauer. Stay free, America. Stay protected. Sig Sauer is doing it with their rifles, their AR platforms, their handgun platforms. All Every single thing that they are producing right now for the military, our first responders, our police officers, everybody that is, wants to own a private gun, CCWs, all the awareness and instruction that they're providing at their headquarters at the Sig Sauer experience. We couldn't be more proud and honored to be partnered with the one and only Sig Sauer. This is the Bandit Hour. I hope you all enjoy it. Christian Curtis, Eric Larsgaard, myself. Thank you all very much. What are you all working on up there right now? Just uh, stuff for 23. Yep. Getting samples finalized. Not getting samples finalized, getting adjustments made to the final samples. Yeah, final production. production. Yeah, they start production here next week on a lot of stuff. With what you two have seen so far going into the fall right now, has, uh, has the recession hurt? retail sales at the consumer in with the the needle moving on the price register as far as um or, or do you see some some slow going slow rolling right now until maybe the season really gets going you know i i think it's kind of, everybody's scared everybody's nervous but I, sales haven't i don't think been affected yet so i, I think guys are you know we're a lot of our guys are getting preliminary reports right now. Our sales guys are out hitting the road right now. Our dealers just hitting their main events. Right. So as of right now, the word is guy, the hunters always tend to save and buy. Um, we always do. We always hoard our money. We do our stuff like that. I, I tend to believe that. And, and right now they, they've been doing it and uh, the dealers have been fairly pleased with stuff, but again, they're all scared. We got a lot of t- selling season left, right? Our biggest selling season is still November, December on stuff. So that's still co- still coming ahead. But right now, people are people are buying. Um, obviously, there's some hesitation here and there on items that were truly, truly affected by price, especially big, large items for shipping and freight. Shipping um, was a big that was the, that was probably the biggest kill for you know in our industry decoys, for example, or blinds. You know, you can only get three or four hundred on of a container, and a container jumps from. $5,000 a container to twenty five dollars or $30,000 a container, well, that cost of goods just went up. And it ultimately, yep. everybody suffers. You know, if you got a, a container of Rolexes that cost $20,000 a piece and they take up that much space, it's not a big deal to, to a container price jump 400%. But when your packages are huge and you get very few on containers, significant oh yeah you're talking 60 60 to a hundred dollars a box just in freight um, freight costs more than the product yeah so does that stop the manufacturer like banded from bringing more than they think they might need into the into the country just to have it in the warehouse for replenishment during the season it'll make us 
we really think it through hard on items that we can get through, you know, yeah, you get through with and get without that may, you know, the items, a box of teal is not heavily affected as a box of goose decoys, right? So you know that that's not going, the price hasn't been affected that much. So you wager on on stuff. But at the end of the day. Yes, the answer, yes. Yeah, the answer. You're not going to bring in, uh, you know, you have, what, a thousand widgets pre-booked. On normal year, you bring in 1,500. Yeah, no, you you aren't doing that. I mean, you're bringing in 1,150. <laughs> exactly. So how does that affect the relationship between Bandit and Avery and Greenhead Gear and the dealer? Our 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 your guys' big thing is you you support dealers. You have a lot of dealers across the country. Um, is it is it tough to, or is it just a transparency and communication game of like, look, man, we're going to work together on this, and we got to we got to ride it out. But if you guys run out of widget twelve packs, we're not going to have any to replenish. You guys are just going to have to sit on them and 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 sit on you know lose those sales. Well, it's 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 um, not it's a communication thing for sure, and they know the deal. Everybody knows the deal. It's on the news, right? Any news you watch, um, they know the deal, and they see the prices. And it's across the board. I think they're happy with us that they're able to get the a thousand widgets they ordered. There's a lot of other people that are having, you know, there's some been some delivery issues, as you've heard, and everybody's heard supply chain issues. And man, we were blessed that we didn't get affected by that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a product of our um, long. Long-term solid long-term relationships in China with our factories. I mean, we're still with the same factories that we started with from day one. Um, so that we're not shopping, you know, there. And, and knowing and knowing that this was coming because it was a slow-moving process. It wasn't a hammer down super fast. It was kind of it, it was unfolding as we could see see it unfolding. We ordered earlier and did stuff. We we took some preparation into that and to, in, in, and it benefited us. Big time, and our and our manufacturers really went to work for us. Yeah, that's all there is. And our and again, the dealers they adjusted. They knew this was coming too. They know, man, you're the decoys are up. You know, an extra fifteen twenty dollars a box. Well, they all cut back just a little bit too. So everyone had to adjust. But our relationships with our dealers are so good and so tight that we we have open communication with them all day long, every day. And we're constantly communicating, Hey man, this is going to change. And now we got this in, or, um, Hey, you need to be, you need to adjust this because of X, Y, and Z problem that might be happening. We, the, 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 oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the other big thing. And, and <clears throat> I'm not, I guess I'm not speaking out of turn. Um, going back to our factory relationships, there are some companies out there and, I'm not going to say who, because I don't know exactly who, but I know that there are a bunch, especially ones that have had some sort of problems delivering that they don't spend time overseas like we do with our company. We're we're there. Of course, nobody has been in the last two years, right? But on a normal year, we're there. 100 plus days a year. And we're working with those people. Again, the same people we start with from day one. And there are other companies that – um they don't go overseas. They don't work over there. They'll hire uh, uh, agent, an agent or a trading company to do all the work for them. And those trading companies, how they make money, right? They make a cut. And they just go around and, and they'll have, a, just say, a jacket. They'll farm it out to 14 factories. And the factory that comes back with the best quote is who they do business with that year. And it may be a different factory every year for that jacket, whoever gets the best quote. We don't do that. We stay with the same people and we may not get the best pricing every single time, but we're important to our factories. And if we're good, if, if somebody's going to get product, it's going to be us. So with that being said, Christian and Eric, um, when you have the attitude in our country that we sometimes or a lot of times run into of why can't you make it in America? Why don't more tags say made in the USA? When you have, when you talk about the sediments you just did about the actual relationships you have overseas in these factories, you guys travel, Eric said a hundred days a year on a normal year before the pandemic. Um, you don't source anything. You're shaking hands. You're eating dinner at these factory owners, family houses. They come to America. They visit your guys' personal residences. 
Do we even know in America that that's going on? Or is it just easy to jump the gun and be like, oh, you guys are just an overseas manufacturer and you're taking work away from Americans? And then on top of that, I want, I want you to discuss that. And then I want you to end it by talking about can we do any of that stuff over here with what you're saying with the up with this uptick in pricing to get a container on the water and into a port in America and then distributed to a warehouse in the States for our dealer base, for the band of dealer base. Could you could you go to America now and make it work with American manufacturing? I'll start and say this. I would much rather and he would not spend 100 days a year, 8000 miles from home. Right. So right there, if I could get it made in reno i'd much rather spend 100 days at your house in a year than china right so let's say that first and then you can yeah i mean 100 we are we're we're all pro anything we could possibly do in the u.s 100 the problem is in the 80s late 70s early 80s everything well probably all the 70s right all the textiles are gone right they left they left here we don't make the textiles we don't make the raw goods the raw products anything like that so first off all that stuff has to come back over here anyway, because that's all being made over there. We don't, we're a very, 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 very small company, right? And until some huge, huge manufacturing facilities come back into the U.S. that are doing, that are printing fabrics, making fabrics, making all the other, the, the things like that, we're we're kind of, we're limited to what we de- definitely can do on there. Um, pricing wise, um, you know, we have a lot of rules and regulations that, that all of a sudden jump up at there and we, you know, OSHA, whatever it might be, right? That, you know, painting decoys, that's a tough, that's a tough deal. Um, there's just little things like that that we have to kind of jump around. But realistically, it's the raw goods, the raw goods and supply of those goods in a timely manner are super hard. We've priced out bags, gun cases, stuff that's cut and sold items are fairly simple items here in the U.S. And the same bag that retails for, say, for the dealer to make the same kind of margin we to do that i mean we have to keep the lights on pay the bills pay everything too right so time you do all that stuff that same exact bag is 199 dollars realistically time you get all the goods over here pay the help do the stuff oh i mean we took we took the banded uh blind bag right and we wanted to do a project with a made in USA. That, and to expand on what Eric was saying, what he means is if we want to build that blind bag in the U.S., first, we've got to get the fabric from Asia, mm-hmm. right? You can't, you don't get, it's not here. You have to get it from Asia. That's what you meant by textiles. Right. Yeah, All correct. the fabrics are, are made there. So anything that's made pretty much, I mean, there's some stuff in Pakistan and whatever, but anything that's made in, pretty much anywhere in the world fabric-wise, it comes out of, the fabric comes out of Asia, Right. So wait, I want to get this right before you go on. So you're saying that if you want to make a blind bag, mm-hmm. you don't just go to Realtree and they have it in their factory in America where you get the the Max Seven pattern and you make a bag with it. You got to that that Realtree fabric is not here. No, it's in Asia. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and so so you 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 see right there that's a big hurdle. And, and we had we this was. Oh, seven or eight or nine years ago, we were like, man, we really want to make some stuff here. And we took the, uh, what was the hammer blind bag at yeah. that time. Yeah. And, and we found it was a cut and sew place. I think it was, it was in Utah. Pennsylvania. It was, no, we had one in, Pen- we did one in Pennsylvania and uh, Virginia. Yeah, two different places. Two different factories. And the, we handed them the bag that retails at fifty nine ninety nine, right? And Texas three. Yep. Three places. The cheapest quote we got back, that bag was going to have to retail at $199.99, the exact same bag. So the point is, do people jump to conclusions? People, in my opinion, there's a lot of virtue signaling going on. You know, like you hear that. A lot of what? Virtue signaling. Uh, Yes. You hear a lot of that in the politics nowadays, but how many people will pay that? Would actually go to. If it's sitting on the shelf in the store and it says made in China or made in USA, it's fifty nine ninety nine, one ninety nine ninety nine. How many people are going to take that one ninety nine ninety nine bag and go to the cash register? So Come it's kind of like, are we willing to put our money where our mouth is? Exactly. Yeah. Hey, we will make stuff here. We'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. But are we as American consumers going to go and pay the uptick of one hundred and fifty bucks on the same bag? 
with the same material that we had to get in Asia in the first place. So right. when you're in Asia, how Americanized is it, guys? Like, what are, what are, what are we, if we had a, 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 a live computer over there, and I know that you don't want to give away all the details, but is it Americanized? Are you working with, are you working with Asians at a, on a consistent basis all day long? Because you guys would have some, you'd have to have interpreters. You have to have an ability to learn the vocabulary. There's different vocabularies in China. There's different, um, different dialects, I guess you would say. How difficult is it for two guys you guys are born in America. How difficult is the transition to go over there? Because I assume if you're working with a sourcing company, all of that comes with that, right? All of the, all of the, the communication with the factory goes to that sourcer. How difficult is that? Because I want the, I want the, the listeners to understand this part of it. And then when they walk into the, the, the retailer, whoever that might be, whether it's Simmons or Max or Final Flight or whoever they choose to walk into on any given day, I want them to have an understanding of what has gone into the design, the vision, the sweat equity to get that product on in those hang tags on those shelves, because that's a big deal to me that you're giving the American duck goose turkey deer hunter the ability to be more successful. But there's a lot of work that went into it first. So how how what is the transition like going over there? Is it it become like riding a bike now? And how was it in the beginning? Well, now I'll tell you about now and then he can tell you about the beginning. Now, again, I go back to, we're dealing with pretty much the same people. Um, they're way smarter than we are. We're dumb. We can't learn Mandarin, but they, over the last 12 years, they've learned to speak pretty daggum good English, the people that we deal with. And, and how is it, how Americanized is it? How Westernized is it? Depends on where you're at. If you're in one of the big cities, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing, like Chicago. It's like Chicago or New York, very westernized, and everybody speaks English. Now, if you go to Canton, South Dakota, or Sykeston, Missouri of China, it's nobody speaks English, and you rely on the people that you're there with or factory people. Yeah. Most and most factories now, I mean, they're again, they're schooling in their whole, I mean, their whole way of society. They've been doing so much business with America and different countries, obviously, Europe, European countries, whatever. English is the most common language, right? Out there, they everybody that everybody speaks. So outside of that, most factories of all all those kids and younger people that have come up through their schooling systems speak English. So they have somebody in there. We don't we we've traveled with translators before, but most factories now have somebody in there. And then we always bring a backup translator if we had to in the early days. Now we know everybody on on that ticket. But yeah, when you started up when we started over there, it was literally knocking on doors of factories and cold calling and doing stuff and traveling uh in the roughest situations that a person could think of. I'm not talking like you know Crazy, crazy situations, but to the average person, crazy situations, you know, you know, uh, on stuff and where we stayed and what we've done and different things like that. It's yeah. Pretty crude. I remember one, one, our first initial trip, um, after, you know, after we all started this, we, we were in Beijing and we literally cold called because we came from another company, right. And we couldn't use the factories that we've been using. Mm-hmm. ethically we didn't want to we wanted to do this on our own right so we had a list each of us eric was going to do the hard goods and i was going to do the soft goods and we had 10 factories apiece we landed and went our separate ways and then the the, the goal was to you go find three narrow it down to three and i'll narrow it down to three and we'll get back together i mean we were there i don't know how long we were in china that oh, shit, eight shit. weeks maybe two months yeah. it's crazy you narrow it down to three. I'll narrow this set down to three. We'll get back together and we'll go see them together and we'll pick them. We got in some hairy, hairy situations. Beijing, you remember when we went into the apartment? Oh. They took you to a factory, took us into an apartment building. You know, they picked us up there, but we'd never met them. We mm-hmm. just emailed with them. Take us into this apartment building, essentially close and shut three doors and open a closet in a, a bedroom closet in the apartment building. There's another room you go in there and they have all this product and it's all like, I'm not going to say brands nothing to do with the hunting industry, but we make all this. They didn't mm-hmm. make any of it. It was all knockoff. I mean, it was like North face stuff and just crazy. We can make any of this. 
basically trying to black market is yeah, what it, it is. is a black market and deal. basically they want to do stuff black market is it was a no-go obviously right <laughs> on that kind of stuff but trying to get out of there from through through uh factories to underground not you know i mean scared for your life factories type deal there's a few times we walked around where we had people yeah all chasing us and doing stuff but at the end of the day i mean there's a thousand stories we could tell that we did you know went down different roads and very i mean hotels that Yes. <laughs> roaches and everything i mean insane but um but we luckily found our key retailers that have been worked with us new factories yeah our factories uh, factories that work with us since day one now realistically we've switched a couple but literally outside of two we've been with the same people yeah. since day one uh so it would have been good and, and now the worst part of going for us is the flight yeah I and, mean, time, and time away we miss it now yeah. You know, since the pandemic, we well, talk about it all the time. Yeah, they're our friends, you know. When do you see a, a return? We were just talking with them on the phone this morning. Um, you know, there's so much other political crap going on, so who knows? Yeah. That, that's playing, let's be honest, that's playing a major role in it right yeah. now. Technically, mm -hmm. we could return now. Technically, we can return now, but you you have to cool and quarantine for 14 days um, in a hotel choosing of their government. I don't get to go choose to stay at some government nominated quarantine hotel. yeah and you can't yeah. leave that room they food feed you you don't get to go i mean it's it's a pretty ridiculous deal right now on stuff so it's not right now it's been like this it's all been virtual and that's been very challenging and it's been very challenging for other companies luckily we have hands-on with the factory that we know are doing so these other guys that are sourcing stuff you know hands off to them i guarantee they had some challenging things where we it's been challenging for us but at the end of the day it's been it's been all right, but we still need to get back over there. And we is the will. Chinese is the Chinese buffet in Memphis or Sykeston pretty close to what the culinary is over there? No, no. <laughs> Everything is what you see is what you eat. The presentation is, you know, it's you're, you're not you're never guessing what you're eating. Put it this way, you know, you see what you're eating. There's no nice I'm, cut. There's I'm, no I'm, chicken breast, all no no bones, no nothing laid out nice and neat for you. Heads you are know, attached. The heads attached, bit beat. You name it, it's all taxed and all chopped up on one big thing. You At a restaurant, it is. Oh, At yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so We've you guys, you guys, you guys said a, you guys said a, a comment in there about that room you walked into in that apartment. I, this I don't know how to 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 just. I'm just going to ask the question: How hard is it to stay original over there? And I hope that you understand what I'm saying by that, because oh, yeah, it sounds yeah. to me like you could walk into a room and be like, that's, it, that I, looks cool. It, when you go, let's be honest, when you go to, uh, uh, into stores, you answer your own question. You see original brands, original products. And guess what? Two years later, everybody's doing it. Yeah. It happened. You know, the, mean, the, the brand is original. It's like there's certain, certain products. Everyone's trying to come up with the, call it our, waiter right that was an original that's a bad bad to the bone product now that everybody's in okay we we were the first ones to do it hands down and been extremely successful with it we've had our ups and downs whatever but having that one product yeah every company wants to have a certain product product like that but <coughs> being original on a floating gun case or being original on something like that well yeah avery was originally on that now how many different people make a floating gun case so now you're just trying to do different things here and there it's like making a, a new polo shirt so your brand is what carries you and I think we do a really good job of pushing our brand and, and standing behind our product and our product line. We have real guys that, um, you know, put a lot of sweat equity into this company and believe in this company. Um, and we're working to better that, better the hunt for the hunter. Every second we get, that's what we're looking to try to do. Um, and, uh, you know, trying to be original, of course, everybody always tries to do it. It's, you know. You're not going to see that in every single product. Though. I don't, I don't can't, think can't everybody, see everybody doesn't try to do that, though. No, 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 no. I'm saying we always, excuse me, banded art. We always try to stay original. But at the end of the day, there's certain products, a lead weight or whatever it may be, that are just, it is what it is, you know. Do you guys ever take it personal as designers when you walk into retail and see your hard work being knocked off so easily? Oh, every day. Every day. You take it personal? Yeah, of course. Take it personal to the retailer and take it personal to the company that's doing it. Freaking pisses me off. I mean, it's beyond. Well, let, let's talk about that real quick, Christian and Eric, because you two have been there since day one, minute one, of what has revolutionized the way people dress for duck hunting with the breathable waiter. 
take me through in a in a in a few minutes, five minutes of of what Lars Gard just referred to as some ups and downs. How did it start? What were you thinking when you when you you find this material and you're like, man, if we could get this into a duck hunting scenario, how did that all go down? What do you mean by ups and downs? And where does the banded line and the Avery line of waiter stand today? Well, I mean, I think number one right now is staying today. I think we're number one still out there. I mean, it's it's hard to tell. You can you can base it off what we know from retailer sales. Um, what are true? We're definitely yeah, one yeah, independent yeah, retailers. Yeah, independent retailers. Yeah, for sure. Um, the ups and downs and stuff like that. That's just stuff that you get your heart set on when I say that. Yeah. Ups and downs, everyone. I mean, it's like trying to when Avery Green had gotten the decoys, right? Making paint stick to plastic. About impossible, right? It's just one of those things. Waiters, you got two products out there that we strive in. Decoys and waiters, the two hardest products to make and be successful at, A, be successful at, and two, make last, have longevity, and the, and the people that put the rigors through those products and expect the world out of those products, is, it's unbelievable. But um, our, our thought process was, it had it was never even in our concept to make waiters at first, but we had people th- throw it at us, um, threw it at us, say, hey, we build waiters, and me and Chris looked at each other, yeah, we can, but... Uh, this is what we need to happen. We can't just be a neoprene waiter company. We have to look outside the box. We can't be a, a knockoff. We, we, know, can't, we can't. Everybody can build neoprene waiters. And we got. We have to have something that really changes it. Otherwise, we're just going to be another Durastretch 3.5 millimeter or 5 millimeter neoprene waiter, right? Right. So we said the key is to make, because we've been pissing with breathable waiters for photo shoots and years for the other company we work for and doing different things. We're like, it needs to fit like a pair of Carhartt bibs. Look sharp on you, not look like Dunkin' Donut, Michelin Man, do whatever it may be. And fun- the functionality means I need to be able to climb up on top of a roof, on top of scaffold. I can move around, and be very agile. And if you can build a pair of waders like and that, not freeze to death, and not freeze to death, build a pair of waders like that, you got some. And they said, well, let's go do it. So we put our heads together and just started sketching and drawing and me- messing with stuff, and came out with that first red zone waiter. And everything since there has been, you know awesome i mean obviously you we learn different things of stitching and we learn different things of of uh, welded seams and we've learned different things of where to put a stitch where to put a where to put a gusset where to put uh anything like that boots and different things you just learn ups and downs on that kind of stuff is kind of what i'm talking about it's just trial and error um and the error maybe never hits retail market it hits us where you get oh man that's the best thing we, we got the world solved oh shoot it doesn't quite work so you move on to plan B or C or down the road and, and keep going. I think the big the big thing, I think, uh, up, ups and downs, is more of, you know, you, you, do, you make a product, right? And if you, you never stop improving a product, I mean, you're every day, how can I, we make this better, right? No matter what the product is, a vehicle, I mean, whatever. Yeah. And you, 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 you're working to improve it all the time. Well, these people just come in and jump on board. And they, I, at this point, I guarantee you, there's tons of people that don't even realize that the first pair of insulated breathable waders came from Bandit. You know, it's mm-hmm. beyond that. Cause you got these companies that jump in the game and they, they jump in by taking your technology, your technology, your, your 10 years of evolution. And all of a sudden they're equal with you. They're equal with you. You know, after 10 years and, and and this coming year, we're the first company that has across the board, all of our crotches are welded. Yep. Watch. I guarantee you next year we won't be the first, be the only company with all crotches welded. And there'll be some other new company come in and, 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 and market and advertise about their welded crotch. Well, what did they do? They took our waiter and sent it to China and took it to a factory and bam. So there's no way to protecting that. No, 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 you can't no, protect it. No, no, it's about about impossible. I that, especially. Well, I mean, you know, how long does it take you to patent? And, and a lot of stuff's not patentable. I'll be honest. But right. if, even if it was, how long would it take to get patented? Five years, three years. Yeah. So, so you just have to keep develop, keep working, and and you got to know. I mean, this year's like I said, well, it crops. We we have it this year, but next year there's somebody's going to do it. So we just got to keep improving. Yeah. When we, you, we, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Eric. No, I'm just saying, I was just saying, just adding to, I guess, that whole thing is that there's been, you know, as manufacturers, 
and everybody, they learn our names and they get our contacts. And it's amazing how people get our contacts outside of that stuff. But I bet you I get hit with three to four manufacturers of waiters a week trying to solicit our business, right? They want, they want our business. They want to do it. Oh, we make for so-and-so all these different brands. And now you can look on anywhere and I can see those brands that are startup companies, try to, or me too companies that they say they all make waiters for. And obviously we, we have our factory. We're not going to leave our factory, but you look at that stuff and all these guys are just adding to that. They have no back. And that factory is brand new. It came here last week and it may be gone tomorrow. Yeah. We have, I mean, those companies come and go over there just because they had, a, they, they hit a lick and then that lick is gone because someone else got it. Cause they went that, that manufacturer jumped to the next, someone made a waiter $5 cheaper or $3 cheaper. All right. Well, they jumped over here. Well, that guy had his business started. Those guys are all building businesses too, you know, and then all of a sudden it's gone. Now that waiter company has gone. Now, now all of a sudden that new fly by night waiter company that somebody decided to buy a waiter at is gone. Where's their warranty? Where's their, you know, peace of mind. Where's their company? They can stand, you know, it's these, just, these, these new companies, I mean, the uh, X new company comes out. This is the greatest waiter ever. Uh, it, you know, lifetime warranty, blah, 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 blah. We can drive you right to the factory of any waiter built over there. We know where they're at and we know everybody else. So this new company comes in and all of a sudden they've got the best waiter ever built. And it's built in the same factory that these other four brands are built in. We've been, I've been, I've personally been, and he's personally been in every single waiter manufacturer of every brand that's out there. With We've, you guys having all of this knowledge and this intel that you're discussing right now in the last 10 seconds, how hard is it not to use that in your marketing strategies? Because you are the original. You are the ones that have put all the sweat equity and the vision into these products. How difficult is it for you not to call somebody out and, and, and educate, educate the consumer? Is it, is it unethical to educate the consumer base on the truth? This is the truth. So yeah, is it yeah. unethical? Is it? I don't know. I'm asking you guys. It's, you know, I was born and raised in South Dakota, right? I'm a farm kid here and still that's my blood. I'll be out helping my dad later today in the field. Um, I, we always take the high road. Our company's always taking the high road, trying to do the best. And that's the only thing I can say. Should we? Is there a lot of times that we've schemed overnight and in the shower, sleeping and talking, and we call each other up and say, man, we need to do this and this and this and say out on this. And it's all good. We have a big plan. Then it's like, ah, oh, man. Then we just look like those. We look like a clown. I mean, in our in our opinion. But well, there'll be times where it's going to. I mean, who knows what the writing is on the wall down the road with retail, direct to market. There's a lot of freaking scenarios that are out that are different, direct to consumer type stuff. And maybe they maybe the gloves will come off at some point in time. But right now, you know, we just we just stay focused on our stuff. Know what the truth is, and that and at times. That's comforting to know what the truth is, right? Yeah. That's comforting. It's it's it's, it's liberating, you know, mm -hmm. to know what the truth is. Keep your head in the game, focus on our stuff, and keep improving. You know? That's you gotta keep improving. Yeah, you stay um, cutting edge, keep improving. Let me ask you this, Christian. How long should a pair of waders last? And I know that the, the, the answer is like, well, how many days a year do you hunt? Um, do you walk around in stumps? It's almost impossible for something not to leak, in my opinion, um, that goes underwater and has that. that To educate me in the, in the listening audience, please, on waders and why we have this mindset that waders should last 10 seasons when a, a good duck dog only lasts eight. Like, tell me, like, tell me why we have this ideology in our head. So I, I'm going to give you my spiel. <laughs> And, and let's have a discussion about it because I, I don't know that I'm right. This is my head. Okay. I know that I way back when I, I got it, we had a little outfitting deal in Missouri every single year. When I would go buy shells, I would go buy a new pair of waders, whether the ones I had the year before leaked or not, it was a yearly purchase, right? Three, $400 yearly purchase. And usually I would get, uh, a season and a quarter to a season and a half out of a pair. And then I would start where the pair that was in the box, I'd pull those out of the box. I'll wear in those at the end of the season, right before the next season, go buy my shells, go buy my waders. So, and I'm thinking three to 400 bucks, even five to 600. I mean, that's one of the cheapest things in duck hunting, right? 
Yeah. And it's one of the most important. If you don't have waders, you can't hunt. So it, I don't know how long they should last, but I know this lifetime warranty stuff is <laughs> impossible. It, I mean, come on. I'll ask you this. If, if you hunt, you know, everybody says I hunt 60 days. If you hunt 60 days, if you wore the same pair of $200 or, or you, whatever, same $200 jacket, 60 days in a row outside in the elements and left it in your back of your truck for that 60 day stretch, what would it look like at the end of 60 days? Not good. Not good. So I started doing some research. I'm like, man, we're asking the same question you're asking. How, what did this come from that people expect them to last 10 and 15 years or five years or four years? I don't know. But so I started looking, you know, those, um, uh, survivor survival suits, those dry suits. They're like, uh, they wear in the Navy or coast guard, like rescue swimmers wear. Essentially it's a pair of waterproof, breathable waders. With full body suit. Full body suit. Yeah. It's got sleeves. It's a pair of waders with sleeves, right? Essentially. Right. And I started, I was like, man, you know how much those cost? The the very, 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 very high end ones at the Coast Guard wear? I would guess uh a thousand to twelve hundred. Three to five thousand. Three to five thousand. You know mm-hmm. what the warranty is? None. One year. One year. One year. Mm-hmm. So wow. and Guess what? You're not walking through woods. You're not briar nailing, getting to your stuff or whatever it may be. Jumping in and out of boats and just like all and, kinds of things. And swimming. Yeah. One year. I think that in itself puts it in a little bit of perspective that our, I don't know, that, that, you know, our, what we demand out of our waiters is, I, I don't know. Where, but I But I can tell you this. And your your listeners are probably gonna say, "Yeah, right. That's bullcrap." Until last year, and and we make them right. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? And I don't. Eric, you probably remember. You know, we have the embroidered logo here, right? Yep. It used to be it it was screen printed. Until last year, I wore the ones with a screen print. So how long did that pair of waiters last? Six years at least. Six years. But now, I don't hunt sixty days a year. I hunt probably twenty twenty five through a season and I take care of them. Right. I clean them. I hang them. They're taking complete care of or in six years. That's, that should not be, I'm not saying that's not expected, but I'm saying that if you take care of your stuff, it'll last. What, what, what is uh, expected? I don't know. I ask you, what do you expect? Them? I'm the same exact way that I, always ask myself when I hear it or read it or see it on a message board or get a DM and with the, with the negativity or the pessimistic attitude, I'm always like, I wonder why I've never had this problem or do I just get so lucky with every box that I've ever opened? Because I'm like you, like I have worn the same waders for a long time and, and I hunt a lot. I mean, I hunt dry fields also, but I'm in waders a lot and I absolutely pay attention to my waders. And I, when I've, when I think that I might feel moisture, I always trick myself and I'm like, Oh, that's just air moving out of there. My socks just a little bit sweaty or whatever. I've, I, I could honestly put my hand on a Bible and say that I've never been in a pair of banded waders that leak. Have I seen a pair? Yes. But for, I, I just think that there was this, this ideology that people would jump on in a heartbeat of like these waders leak and i'm like no they don't they really freaking don't and then that's where my question came from is like well how are you taking care of them are you maintaining them is the maintenance good are you hanging them up are you drying them out are you are you doing things to keep them from drying out and like all of the things that go in like to what you're saying on this military suit or the coast guard suit if you had a lifetime uh warranty on a set of tires could you imagine well i just drive one time a day no you don't you're freaking going to put miles on those tires and michelin or whoever is not going to replace them just because they cup or wear it's 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 this weird mindset that we got stuck in that waiters are supposed to be you know just indestructible and they are a tool they are a tool that let you hunt for a season in my opinion that's how i've always thought yeah me too i don't know but 
the, these there's some companies out there that are doing lifetime warranties and it's it's not sustainable there's I mean, i'm just ask people just stop and think about it it's fabric it's stitching mm-hmm. think about that it's how rubber, is that well you got you guys are in the products business christian and eric what products do have a lifetime warranty that's deemed necessity necessity or it's deemed um legitimate what is there a product out there that does is there a vacuum from from uh from dyson that says if this breaks on year number nine we'll give you a brand I mean, new there's, free there's, there's, there's certain thing like a scope or a pair of binoculars that don't take the beating that necessarily a pair of waders does that you can say that do and those companies do it but outside of that and that even a lifetime is unbelievable because you still have to pay there's so many different things that there's so many gray smoke areas oh you forgot they gotta go pay this and pay that and whatever just to get it get get it fixed or whatever so technically lifetime warranty yeah yeah maybe a lot of gray a lot of gray maybe uh, but uh uh steel rifle target okay yeah yeah ar 500 yeah yeah. Yeah. but again and and there is so much uh uh gray lifetime of the product okay what's that you know right they're not talking about your lifetime, lifetime of the product. Well, then there's ads that this is the last last waiter you'll ever buy. I mean, uh, come again? <laughs> one day. You, you one day you're going to die in a car wreck next week? What are you saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the last waiter. I mean, it, it's like they're I, – I, people – I just want people to think critically about – is that – Sensibly, is that sensible? Does that make sense? That's the last waiter you will ever buy or lifetime warranty. How is that possible? Let me ask you if this makes sense. Um, Does it make sense for me to buy a $900 to a $1,200 pair of waiters when I am going to buy a pair of waiters every, let's say, minimum of two seasons if I hunt 25 to 50 days a year? Why are there so many options in waders? I like I understand that there's a Cadillac and that there's a a, a Toyota pickup. I get that. But why when we're going to say that we're going to hunt 25 to 50 days a year, why why would I buy a $1000 pair of waders when I can know that I'm going to buy a, a $300 pair every two seasons? Okay. So there's a couple things there. One like our Spire waiter, it it's the materials the lamination is is very 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 it's always very expensive that's what it's all about ultra breathable um it's it's a the the materials and the making of that waiter the boot uh it's got aerogel insoles i mean it's crazy expensive and there's there's another company out there that makes a nice waiter that's super high and very nice materials there are also some other companies that have come along that are making very expensive waders, very high end, but have nothing different than the pair of $300 waders. And and sometimes that's where your warranty deal plays out. No, you're not, uh, you're, you're getting, uh, sometimes a lifetime warranty, but when you buy them, you're actually buying three pair of waders. That the price. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I can. I'm good. I can get you swapped out three pair, and I'm still good. Money yeah. ones. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like there's certain features that are very beneficial that make the cost uh, of a thousand dollar waiter, right? And that that your biggest thing is your lamination, and then were you, were you, and you, your, were your, you your, your insulation, your boot, and your aerogel. Wait a minute, though, Eric. Explain that word lamination on a waiter, so the audience understands what you're talking about. Well, Christian said that. lamination too. Yeah, we use event lamination, right? There's two major ones out there. There's Gore-Tex and Event. They're 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 neck and neck between the best, and they can compete all day long. You can say where they're say who's doing what better than best or whatever. Military uses both of them. Both of them about equal rates. Um, test prove event on certain trials are, are are better, and we've gone with event event lamp event lamination on it as far as breathability. So you have that's when I say lamination, I mean event. Um, our event lamination and that's what's create that's what's protecting you from the water and what's allowing you allowing the waiter to breathe right and then our next biggest thing is our for us and our product is you always have bells and whistles and different little things like that pockets and magnetic pockets and zippers and whatever it may be lights and uh, whatnot but then our biggest thing is boots so we use an aerogel pad and instead of a, a 
Thinsulate, like we use in our other boots, we use Primaloft uh, insulation in it. So it's all not only an aerogel, a Primaloft aerogel pad, it's a Primaloft, aer- a Primaloft insulated boot as well around it. So just those things add, add up tremendously to create that thing. It's not just saying, hey, we got this waiter. Uh, it is kind of, you can say good, better, best, but it's not, it's more along the lines of your activity level. What are you going to do? If you're going to go out and exert yourself and do tons of moving and hiking and doing stuff, and this is what you're going to do, this is the waiter for you. If you're going to be in ankle deep water here and you're going to ride a boat, you're going to get out of a truck and do whatever. This is maybe the way that's best for you on this. Um, well, so, take me through that. Take me I, through that real quick. Both. Of, oh, go I, ahead. On. I love, him. I love him, but he didn't answer your question. You know how he gets, he gets on a roll. So that, uh, <laughs> lamination, lamination is, so you got your outside fabric, right? So your- is it, is it like a, is it like a paper picture Christian and you're putting lamination on it to and you- like the waiter is you know, <clears throat> three or four layers of fabric your outside which is called your face fabric okay right? and that's let's your let's say that's a camo that's your outside camo fabric yep then you have a waterproof lamination it's a waterproof uh, that's the event lamination breathable. waterproof sheet yep and that's what makes the waiter waterproof and breathable and then you have a backer and that's what makes it comfortable and, and gives it structure and, and makes it tough. All those are, are sandwiched together through a, a, a laminating process to make it one piece of fabric. Oh, like, so the, uh, so it's almost it's almost like a film kind of that goes yeah, on top. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's almost like a film. So so the the waiter's laminated. It's 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 meant well, our to jackets. Our waterproof jackets are laminated. Anything yeah. waterproof. All with all with the event, right? No, not all of them. Aspire series. Aspires. Aspire event. series. Because it's so daggum expensive. It's awesome. It's breathable as crap. I mean, literally, you won't have sweat rings. I mean, you're gonna dry. It's it's insane how good the stuff is, but it's expensive. Yeah, and every company doesn't matter where where you're at, whether you're North Face, you're Patagon, you're whatever mountaineering company, Arcteryx, whatever. They all have a you just call it good, better, best. That's just what it is. You got to have it. just like buying an XLT versus a Lariat versus a Platinum, right? You have some stuff that's in there. It's a little different. What would you tell somebody to buy, Christian? If you're working the floor at Max during Fall Fest, and they say I hunt 25 days a year and I hunt flooded timber every day, and then you're going to say, "Okay, well, is are you in the Biomeda and you're in public woods? Are you walking in a lot? Are you boating in?" Let's say that I do a, a little bit of both, but you understand the timber hunter in the south and southeast part of the country, mainly Arkansas and some of the Mississippi Delta. But what would you tell me if I said I want a pair of banded waders? Where do I what do I start with with this type of hunting? Yeah, I mean, so if you walk a lot, I mean, the Aspire waiter is unbelievable. It's that only comes in an uninsulated version that's that's designed to layer under, right? It's extremely breathable. I mean, that's that's the best. Um, if if you know you don't want to spend quite that much money, uh, how do you? Then we're going to go to probably a black label uninsulated and it just depends on, there's so many options like do you do you want insulated or do you want un- uninsulated i mean some people just i don't want to worry about layering i want to put my blue jeans on and i want to go hunting and it's cold i want insulated waiters okay you know so there's there's so many i i would ask you a ton of questions you would yeah like more than how do you hunt number one where what's the, your budget Mm-hmm. What, what, you know, our waiters have different warranties, three years for Aspire, two years. And then our new, uh, was new last year. Avery waiter has a one year warranty. Mm-hmm. You keep saying uninsulated for the Arkansas hunter. Are you, oh, if you walk a lot, if I you mean, walk a lot. Yeah. 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 So yeah. with the, with the technology, and I want to get into this on the next banded hour with Christian Curtis and Eric Larsgaard, I want to talk about <clears throat> what you just referred to as layering. Um, some guys and girls just say, I got blue jeans, old school style, and I'm throwing on some insulated waders. Um, we, we, we have those bandit has those. Um, <clears throat> but I want to talk about like what you guys have designed to complement these uninsulated waders, which yeah. is an amazing technique of hunting. Um, is this what you would recommend to most people these days? I want to get into this in the next, uh, the next, um, bandit hour, like I said, Christian and Eric, but is this a good way to start thinking? Um, 
of layering and being able to take something off instead of being cold and, and, and not yeah. being able to add anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's evolution. Yeah. As Eric just said, we've learned so much and, and the fabrics and, and stuff has gotten so much better. I mean, our jacket, you know, when we first started, we used the insulation called Primaloft, right. And which is unbelievable. Um, people would feel, feel our jackets, it's gotten a little more mainstream now. They would fill our jacket compared to one of our competitors in the in the store. They're like, "There's no way this thing's warm. It's too light." Mm-hmm. You know, the materials, the fabrics, the technology has gotten so much better that twenty years ago, if you hunted in uninsulated weather, you'd freeze to death because the the stuff to layer with wasn't there. It wasn't available. The technology wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You couldn't stay warm without insulated waders. Now it's there. So could you hunt North Dakota in December, Eric, with this layering system with an uninsulated pair of waders? Oh yeah. hundred percent all day long. I mean, like, you know, I believe, I believe you, you flashback of all waders, go back to the history of waders from starting with canvas and then rubber and doing whatever, and just work your way up to neoprene. Everyone thought neoprene was the warmest, was just trapped heat. You know, we had to kind of start with the insulated piece. But I think once people learn, you know, big game hunters, you know, when I say big game hunters, meaning your goat and elk hunters, stuff like that, they know layering probably better than anybody out there you're, or your mountaineering people are no layering better than anybody. And that that's all coming here. Right. It's, and the waterfowlers are picking up and learning that more and more and more every year. And, and as younger guys read up on and do stuff on it, they're learning that you don't have to have that insulated pair. Uh, you, you can hunt from, uh, 80 degree weather, whatever you want to do to, you know, which we have 80 degree opening duck hunting season here in South Dakota to all of a sudden we got late season duck season in South Dakota, North Dakota, they it's, it's cold and negative and just froze up. You know, everything's freezing. We're hunting the last, you've been up here and hunted the last days and I can just layer correctly. Um, just like a bow hunter, just like anybody else. And you're just doing your stuff and you got one pair of waders. Well, it, it comes from like you kind of mentioned people that, that their life depends on it figuring it out and make, you know, new technology. That's where it starts. Like he said, you climb Mount Everest, every, you know, those, those guys, their equipment is cutting edge. Every single, every ounce makes a difference. You know, they're cutting ounces mm-hmm. um, and, and warmth and, and weight is so, it's so important to them. And that just stuff, just that technology that it's built for that and special operations, our military, all the stuff is designed for that. And then it just kind of filters down. Yeah. So going back to that, to, we, we try to get as close to the, you know, that design process as we're always working with our, you know, our lamination companies and our uh, insulation companies, what's new, what's coming. Well, you know, we're working on this with, uh, uh, for the government, you know, or we're working on this for uh, some, crazy uh european mountain climbing company and this is if this if this works this is what it's going to do and said man as soon as you know let us know yeah so depending on budget christian and you're standing on that floor do you educate the consumer to consider layering with an uninsulated waiter no matter where they hunt no matter where they hunt no matter where you hunt yeah that's that is both of yours favorite or like that would be your go-to to educate the consumer is layering underneath an uninsulated waiter, no matter the elements. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when we get into it in the next bandit hour, are there a line of products that I assume this layering is going to be your insulation? So you're still going to have all of the benefits of the Prima loft and the insulation. Um, I assume it's not waterproof or is it? I want to answer all these questions of how do you layer as a duck hunter? Because back when I started and you guys have both, I mean, I don't know about Eric, but I know Christian's been hunting ducks a lot longer than me, but it was, you were puffy. You were the state, the, you know, like Eric referred to as stay puff marshmallow, man. You, there's no way you could be agile or athletic out there. I want to feel like tiger woods out there. I want to feel like an athlete when I'm putting my gun to my shoulder, walking through timber, walking back, you know, I want to be, you know, sleek and perform Um, with this layering system. Does it keep you? sleek and athletic or does it get you puffy underneath your sleek and, and athletic uninsulated waders? Oh, because you're right. you're when right. you talk about insulation to me, I automatically think about 
down in puffiness, but you no. guys have mastered it to where you can layer and still stay athletic. Is this fair to say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. So I want to get into that on the next Bandit Hour. You guys have, um, uh, you're in a workshop right now of designing product for 2023. <clears throat> Let's end it by educating the consumer on, that right now in October of 2022, you guys are already pre-planning for the next how many years of product. You guys get getting ready to hit the road. The sales team gets ready to hit the road right now to start preparing for 2023. But you two as visionaries and designers, how does your mind work? Is it one year or are you looking at the five-year plan for the 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 portfolio and the catalogs laid out by Bandit Avery and Greenhead Gear? I, I think you can't get out five years. No. Because technology changes. Yeah. I mean you could two to three we're always at two to three. Five years, we can make a five-year plan, but it's ne- hopefully it goes to crap because the technology, you know, like we are just talking about, the different fabrics, there's always something changing and you got to stay on the forefront of it. So you're kind of wasting time if you're doing a projecting out five years like your actual products. We stay two to two to three years. I mean, fall 23 is done. The guys are already on the road selling. Yeah, those guys are selling that for delivery to our retailers May and June, right? May, June, July. They're selling what we've been already worked on. We're we're working on spring and fall 24. Yeah, spring and point. Designing product. Correct, yeah. So when you say spring and fall of 24, you're talking lifestyle and I assume turkey? Lifestyle, turkey. Lifestyle, yeah. turkey, waterfowl, everything. I mean, the whole nine yards. Yeah, right for spring he's talking about, though. Oh, for spring. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So, so we no, will get in. We, we'll, is almost well, nah, not quite done, but we'll be wrapping that up here really quick on yeah. that. So that'll be 25. That'll be going out. We're working on fall 24. Fall 24 already. Mm-hmm. And we will get into banded casual on this. I guess I, I lied. Let's end it by this guys. What, what are you most excited about right now for the consumer to see when he or she goes into our retail base, bandage retail base, their local dealer what products are out there this year that people are going to get fired up when they see them good yeah we have a lot of a lot of new products as far as 23 is concerned yeah we've been on on somewhat of a you know with the pandemic man the first year was just nothing because nobody knew what to do you know what i mean so we're all just like how do we do this yeah you know i didn't nobody ever heard of zoom or i hadn't you know how how do we do this on Skype or, you know, the factories are shut down. I mean, basically the, was it, what was the first year of the painting? 20? 20, March of 20. 20 was just, let's just get what we, what we made last year here and be done with it. 21, we started kind of figuring some things out this year. We're, it's not, I can't wait to get back over there, but we did, re- we did a lot of work. We got a lot of new stuff. One of the big deals is our new welded crotch in across our entire waiter yep. line. Yep. We're really excited about that. A few new Aspire pieces that are pretty good. Um, there. And there are some new, uh, yeah, new Aspire pieces. We've uh, redesigned our, our um, Squaw Creek bibs. Um, we came with an uninsulated new BIA. I don't even know what uh, the name of it is. Yeah, we don't take part of the naming anymore. We got fired. <laughs> we from got fired from the name. We called it all power tools before. They said no more naming stuff. So <laughs> we're done. With, we're done with there's it. a new uninsulated bib. Yeah, make yeah. a note to. I'll find out what the the official name of that is on on our next call. But yeah, yeah, we uh, again going back to the layering deal. Um, we we redesigned our bibs. Um, there's some new uh, uh, insulation new premium loft insulation. That's what we get fired up about the techie stuff. You know, this is new insulation and that might not fire people up to talk about really, but when they wear it, they'll understand. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's just a lot of little things on that, on that end of it. I mean, we have the new for the hard, the good side, the Avery side, we have that new, um, I don't even know the name of it either. That major blind. What is it called? The, the sweet, the sweet, the, yeah, the sweet, the sweet blind. Um, Hey, I just took two of those to New York and put them yeah. right in the middle of a cornfield mm-hmm. every day. All yeah. all silage corn for the dairy cows up there. Yeah, and, ha- 
every single day we're hunting molt migrators every single day for 14 days smoked them i sent a bunch of the videos to docking but that blind is bad to the bone like every single thing about it from just the storage the way it folds up the 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 sturdiness of it with the stake system the dog the dog kennel part of it as far as the dog door on the front of it is a perfect place for your lab to have vision of the hunt and be hidden um i could send you guys videos but i'm talking like it, it truly hunts for people comfortably you know versus yeah, legit uh, you know, explains uh, educate me explain something to me how does that work i remember <laughs> back in the days in in canada and the dakotas Remember how we used to dig in ground blinds? Oh, yeah. If there's any shadow whatsoever, you're done. How does yeah. that work? I honestly, I honestly think it has to do with where you're at. I, I don't know if you would take that to a flat area of that doesn't have any tree lines around in that part of New York. Like when you fly a drone over it and you look at what you're hunting, it is 100% thick trees everywhere and then right out in the middle there's just this big clump of a false line that we call it when we were building these blinds out into the middle of it and the de- the geese would decoy on you like crazy obviously now a big part of it is your is your cover over the head of exaggerating the way that you build your false or your natural vegetation way high and having huh. the ability to kind of fold it over a little bit because they are working over the top obviously they're ducks and geese but it's a great question like why were we digging into pea fields in saskatchewan when these this panel blind style now with this this avery sweet blind and banded sweet blind it's it absolutely crushed them. They had no idea, like no idea. And I and I made sure that the audience saw like here's our decoy spread of Greenhead Gear Commercial XDs. And then I went around the blind to the back of it, and it was still the same cornfield going for another three four hundred yards. We were right out in the middle, and it, it worked like a charm every day. So explain it to you. Are we hunting geese that haven't seen decoys and 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 heard a lot of calling and and hunt setups this time of year in September in northern New York? Yes, but I did it all the time last year in Oklahoma and Kansas, all over different parts of Nebraska and in and eastern eastern Wyoming and put panel blinds right out in the middle of the field. Turkeys obviously do it. You've seen turkeys just walk yeah. right up to a box blind. But now the way this blind is is constructed and the way that you can in the way that it's shaped. I'm not saying that all other panel blinds are obsolete to this one, but it's the best one I've ever hunted out of. That's awesome. It's yeah. a killer, killer blind. Still, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand it, but hey, it works. It works whatever. It well, works. I mean, obviously, it's going to work on mallards with a mojo, but to trick big Canada's that would usually shortstop you, you're killing yeah. them at 15 feet. That's crazy. 15 feet. This is the bandit hour. Christian Curtis, Curtis Eric Larsgaard, master designers. Um, one thing that I love about what they do is that they actually hunt. They're actually in the field. They actually understand what the consumer wants. And when you have uh, the ability to walk in to a retail outlet and see what these guys have envisioned and what they've built, not just from the very beginning days of Banded, but to where they keep like what Christian Curtis and Eric Larsgaard referred to today as staying cutting edge and always wanting to improve on a product line. That's exactly what they've done with Banded. And then to take an iconic brand like Avery Outdoors from Memphis, Tennessee, that came into origination in 1994. And now it is under the Banded brand's umbrella with the sister company, Greenhead Gear. And what these two gentlemen have done with the decoy line there, which we are going to get into more and more right here at the Banded hour at the foul life podcast i want to talk about these new silhouettes i just got eight dozen of the new canada goose silhouettes yesterday and eight dozen of the brand new speckle belly um silhouette greenhead gear decoys yesterday i took them out of the box and i'm like floored on how realistic these decoys are i will be in california next week for the speckle belly opener which i talked to our guys there today and they're loading up both of you guys should come out there 10 birds a man um, per day, we're going to put these green headgear speckle belly silhouettes to the test. And I, I, I just can't wait to see the results. I absolutely love what Christian and Eric are doing with the brand. It's prideful to see that every single day, the product just keeps getting better and better as a consumer. I hope you guys understand that you have a choice out there. You girls have a choice out there. Look at bandit. And I don't think that you're going to have to look any further. Any closing words, Eric Larsgaard, Christian Curtis. Can't wait to the next one. When are we doing another one? We can talk. We can do it whenever you want. I, I like talking to you guys because I like the stories. I want to hear some more detailed stories about China because I have a feeling there are. I want to learn more about some of the meals over there. But I also want to. I, I also like to get inside of your guys' heads because, and you know, I don't like to throw away the throw around the term genius because that is referred to as IQ a lot. But I kind of think of you guys as mad scientists because this line 
is as diverse as any product line in the world. If you could look at me through this Zoom camera and tell me that North Face or uh, any of the other brands that are out there, whether you go to an REI or whether you go to a, a specialized store for, for big game hunting or water skiing or whatever, you can't tell me or at least prove to me, you could probably prove to me, but you're not, gonna, you're not going to, to, to win an argument right now that there is a more diverse, qualified brand that you guys have built with the selection Men's, women, youth, accessories, um, the product line of Avery continues to get better and revolutionized and it keep, continues to evolve. And now you, if you just open the bandit catalog, I'm floored by it. I've, I've written you guys text and said, dude, I, I'm floored by it of what you guys continue to do. So that's what I want to get into is how do you freaking keep making it? better how do you keep coming up with products you guys keep continue to challenge yourself and i think it's freaking badass so i appreciate you guys coming on that's awesome we Thank enjoyed you. it yep good time let this us know is, when, we, when we do another one we're ready i'm gonna i'll text you guys today and we'll get it i, I want to do one a week i think the bandit hour is going to be a hit i want to let i, I want to get into the culture i want to get into the history because i remember standing in those the shops back in 2000 10 2011 and having you guys go look at this and i'd be like well are you naming all of these products after a baseball field and you'd be like yeah yeah you are <laughs> like like i remember all the days i remember i remember the early days of, of talking to you guys about your vision and to see you guys still sitting in canton south dakota still kicking ass is unbelievable to me i'm proud proud of you guys and the brand speaks for itself avery greenhead gear and banded like you would have never imagined that you guys have taken it this far in 2022 to be 100% the absolute leader in the field. There's not even a close second. And I hope people understand what I mean by that. And they're going to see it more and more. It'll become more evident in the near future. This has been the bandit hour right here at the foul Life podcast for Christian Curtis, Eric Larsgaard. I'm Chad Belling. We will be back at you next week with another brand new episode of the bandit hour until then stay safe in the field hunt ethically even if you are mad at him i learned that term in the south i learned that term in sykeston missouri actually uh, what it means to be mad at ducks i'm not as mad as him i was 10 years ago but if you are mad at him stay ethical stay legal let's all make sure that we fly this flag and be great ambassadors of this unbelievable hunting culture that we're so blessed and have the right not just the privilege to do in the united states of america thank you all very much this is 2 a.m logic the song is called my foul life